you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with Wole, Ray, Jeezy, Will T, part of Sports Journey. Make sure you check us out at sportsjourney.com. You'll find all kinds of sports content, especially for your DMV sports teams. What's going on, Ray and Will T? What's good? Good evening, man. <laughs> good evening. What's going on, fellas? Everything good. Another banging show, man. We got an amazing guest, so I don't want to keep him waiting. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene Sports Bloggers, Sports Podcasters, and Sports Debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll have Dr. Henry Wise, Jr. High School basketball coach Lewis Wilson at 820. We'll dive into the Washington football team losing to the Lions 30-27 to and their upcoming game against the Cincinnati Bengals. At 835, we'll discuss who the Washington Wizards should target during Wednesday's NBA draft. At 845, we'll talk about Chris Paul getting traded um, to the Phoenix Suns, James Harden asking to be traded, and other NBA transactions. Finally, we'll talk about WBO welterweight champ Terrence Bud Crawford, TKO, and Kell Brook Saturday night. But, Ray, you have, a, you have our cool guest online, man. Can you introduce him? Absolutely. Now, now, guys, you know how we roll on the urban sports scene. I just want to thank all the listeners for their support. But, you know, whenever I introduce a guest, I always emphasize, hopefully it will be one of many appearances. So this next guest needs no introduction because he's already been on with us before. We're glad to have him back. Of course, this coach has amassed over 700-plus victories, numerous championships, and now he can add Hall of Famer to his resume. Welcome, Coach Lewis Wilson. What's happening, brother? Welcome back. Oh, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me back. I really appreciate you guys uh, having me back on the show. Uh, it's always a blast. And uh, I'm just uh, looking forward to having a great conversation with you guys. Well, we appreciate you uh, for Absolutely. being on. We definitely appreciate you for being on. So, Ray mentioned recently you were inducted to the uh, Prince George's County Public Schools Hall of Fame. Um, what does that honor mean to you? Oh, I tell you, it was a great, great honor. I'm just, uh, just kind of sad, you know, that my dad uh, is not alive mm. to see and to hear all the great things that that I've been, uh, you know, doing uh, since he's, he's passed. Um, I, you know, I stand on his shoulders. I mean, he was a great leader in the community of Prince George County. Uh, he has a building named after him, and for me to have a small imprint in Prince George's County by getting inducted into the Prince George's County Hall of Fame. I know he would be proud of me, as well as my family, as well as all of my former uh, players. Uh, they're, they're always reaching out to me and sending me congrats. And I, I have so many stories that a lot of, the, a lot of my players have sent me uh, about how I saved their lives and mm. how mm. You know, I did so much to, to get them into college. And if it wasn't for me, you know, giving them that positive support. They don't know where they would be today. And so I get so many great, uh, compliment, compliments. And I, I, I treasure that, uh, more than I treasure, uh, the honors that I've received. 
just to, to help all the young student athletes that I come across. Uh, it gives me joy to see them succeed in life and in basketball. Absolutely. That's a blessing. And I wanted to ask you with all that you've accomplished with all the lives you've touched, not just, of course, the lives of these young men, but also their families. Uh, did you see this honor coming or were you kind of caught off guard when you were inducted into the Hall of Fame? Uh, I, I, I did not, I did not see it coming. Uh, but you know, I've, I've been told many, many times on many occasions for years and years that, you know, I'm a Hall of Fame coach, uh, and I should be in the Hall of Fame and, and all those kinds of things. But I, I never strive to be in the Hall of Fame. But mm -hmm. when, when I got the message that I was, going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I was, uh, I was ecstatic. I was, uh, excited. I was, uh, honored to, to have that, uh, that title. I, I am a Hall of Famer from Howard University. Uh, I went into the Howard University Hall of Fame for our 1981 men's basketball championship. Uh, we went to the NCAA. Uh, so I'm a two time Hall of Famer. <laughs> so I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> kind of proud of that. And you sh and you should be. Yeah. Now you mentioned in the same breath as uh, Martin Lawrence. <laughs> I know. So, I thought it was so cool. <laughs> how how cool is that? It man? is. I, I, I mean, actually a guy that I idolized <laughs> watching on TV. Martin. Martin. <laughs> you know that, that's my dude. That's my guy, man. I mean, I watch him. Oh man, all my life I've been watching Martin Lawrence and to be on the same platform mm, as he, uh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. And Susan O'Malley, mm -hmm. I mean, the first woman, mm -hmm. you know, in the sports, you know, and for the wizard and for the bullets back then, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the famous Stenny Hoyer. I mean, it was just amazing just to be mentioned among some of the, the great, great people mm. uh, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah, it was, it was well done. I watched it. It was well done. Um, I thought PG did a great job. Um, even though in these times, you know, we're doing everything virtually. I thought, I thought they did a great job for the, with the announcements on TV. Yeah, they did a fantastic mm -hmm. job. Uh, you know, shout out to you know Dr. Monica Ghostin and her staff. Uh, they did an amazing job uh, putting it together. Um, you know, the excellence, uh, the, uh, committee, mm -hmm. uh, did a wonderful job, uh, making us feel, you know, feel like we were definitely Hall of Fame. And I tell you, another thing that really went well for me was that evening. Of course, you know, we weren't in at the, you know, MGM or anywhere like that, mm -hmm. but my family, my family, my wife and my two sons, they did a fantastic job for me. I mean, it was almost like it was just an amazing night because I had to go upstairs, I had to get dressed, put my suit on, get ready for the, you know, big affair. And when I'm coming down the stairs, the lights are off and they start flickering. And 
one of my sons was playing, you know, this intro music, and you know, it, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> okay. It was amazing. They had a little intro music. Awesome. You know, yeah. I got my suit on. So I'm walking down through the hallway. I go in the kitchen. My wife is there. She uh. got dinner all prepared and everything. <laughs> so you know, it was it was a fantastic night. I mean, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, coach, it sounds you. like just an amazing time. It really does, uh, and it begs the question. What's next? It feels like you still have a lot left to accomplish in the coaching world. What is your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, I, I love what I'm doing. I mean, I'm going to continue to grind and continue to, you know, get these student athletes better. Right now, we can't do any person to person with them, so I'm doing a lot mm. of Zoom. I'm doing a lot of Zoom uh, instructions with them. I'm letting them talk to uh, some of my former players and. We're talking. We're, we're working on their uh, mental conditioning right now. That's what I'm doing with my players, uh, mm. working on their mental conditioning, trying to get them uh, to stay focused, to be present in the moment. You know, visualize what they want. You know, in life, visualize what they're going to do, and then you know, work hard to be mentally tough at, at achieving your goals. So I've had, you know, yesterday I had an amazing guest on. I had Walt the Wizard. Williams on PG oh, County mm-hmm. Finest on and talking with my guys. I've had Quinn Cook from the LA Lakers, the champions LA Lakers, talking wow. to my guys. I've had Don Reed mm. play, for, play for me at Largo, play for the Detroit Pistons, played at Georgetown. He was on. I had uh, Dickie Simpkins uh, on. With oh, the, wow. he's, from, he's with the Wizards office right mm. now. Played with the Chicago Bulls for six years. Mm. I had the youngest principal in the area. Matter of fact, the youngest principal in the United States. Keon Hill, Keon Hill, who played for me uh, at point guard position, that went on to Howard University. He's 26 years old, the youngest principal in the in the in the country, mm. and he's been on the talk mm. to my guys. So I've I've been trying to do some mental things to, for them to get them tougher. And yeah, I have a lot in the tank. You know, I want us to continue to, you know, have them work hard as a team. I want them to be mentally prepared. You know, especially for practice, for games, and for class work. You know, so it's just that extra stuff that they have to do, you know, paying attention to details and, you know, being a good teammate. So I have a lot of, lot of, lot, lot of my tank that I still have to give to these student athletes. So I'm just looking forward to grinding and, uh, waiting for the pandemic to, uh, to pass us so we can get back, back to work. Wow. I, I, I know that within the message that you're all already conveying to your players, there's got to be something about never take, you know, basketball and life for granted because when events like this occur, it just reminds us how blessed we are to step on the court, to have the ability to play, to, to be able to go to school in person, to be able to interact with your friends. So you answered our next question already. I appreciate just all that you're doing <laughs> for these young guys. Uh, but yeah, well, well, I, I, I do want to add, oh, go ahead. I had one guest on uh, my show, a former teammate of mine, and we put together at Howard University. He has an NBA championship ring, and he said it uh, in a way that, you know, the kids probably understood, you know, that, yes, basketball is something that we love, something that we want to do, but make sure we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. Make sure you have you have something else to fall back on other than basketball. So, you know, they're getting messages like that from, you know, from former uh, you know, NBA players that played in Prince George's County public schools and that, that I'm associated with. So, 
these things are, are being embedded in these student athletes, and I'm just uh, praying that they, you know, take heed and, and and do their very best for us. Great stuff, great stuff. So I need to ask you this because you having a guy like Walt Williams on gives players of today a chance to see the history mm. of basketball in Maryland. It's also, of course, a historical NBA player. I mean, Walt was good on every level. Yep. So. On that on that on that note, I guess talking about history, um, what can you tell us about your recollection of how HBCUs were once prominent when it when it came to sports? We just had a guest on recently who he said you could walk on any black college campus and you would see just as many NFL players as you would, you know, one of these bigger schools like Alabama, uh, so to speak. And we feel as though this is now coming back. You're a graduate, former player for Howard. What do you what do you feel about the direction of HBCU athletics? Um, whoever you had on um, hit it right on. They're right on point. You know, there's so many mm -hmm. uh, talented athletes in the HBCUs, um, and, and I think that the younger generation now is starting to open their eyes to the fact that you know you can you can get whatever you want, wherever you go. And if, mm. if going to an HBCU is, is something that is embedded in you, something that you're inspired uh, to get an education from that university, then by all means, you know, go to that university, even if it's an HBCU. And if you're a basketball player, if you're a football player, if you're a track star, whatever athletic genre you're in, you will be seen by anybody that, that wants to, to get you to excel to, to the professional level, if that's, if that's your dream. So, yeah, I think uh, HBCU is starting to come back around to have uh, a lot more um, talented athletes at our universities. So as far as you advising young men, this is definitely something it sounds like you're going to be encouraging. I'm not saying, of course, you're going to make decisions for them. I already know that. But – is is this uh, part of uh, your sticking points now when you're advising guys on where to select schools and where to where to play at the next level? Is that coming into the conversation? Well, you know, of course, that they they're asking for my opinion, and if there's mm -hmm. uh, HBCU school that's recruiting any of my athletes, I'm I'm absolutely uh, are going to you know give a positive spin on uh, my experience. Uh, in the HBCU, um, I was a student athlete there, and you know they can look at my record and see how I progressed uh, over my years in college on the campus. And not only did I progress uh, basketball-wise, but there was other avenues that that came my way because I was at an HBCU. Mm. So, so coach, so I'm looking forward to uh, to having those conversations whenever any of my student-athletes are being recruited by an Ohio University or Morgan State mm -hmm. University or Bethune-Cookman mm -hmm. University, any of those schools, or Norfolk State. I've had uh, student-athletes to go to all of those universities. I've had students to go, my players to go to Norfolk State University, my players to go to Howard University, my players have gone to Morgan State University, mm -hmm. my, my players have gone to Bethune-Cookman College University. So 
I'm a I'm an advocate of HBCUs. That's for sure. So, coach, I mean, yes, you, you, I mean, you're you're Howard Bison, though. Like, what's your pitch to your kids? Like, go to Howard to go to Howard. You know, is it Howard homecoming? What's your pitch to them? Well, I don't have to pitch, I don't have to pitch Howard. I mean, it's the mecca. It's the mecca of all universities, not just HBCU. Oh, there we go. I want to hear that. I mean, look, look, look what we have been, you know, going into the White House now. Look oh, there you go. Come on now. Come on. We, we've, we've always had greatness to come out of Howard University. Oh, man. Ooh, okay, swagger. I love it though. I like it. I was worried. That, that's like what it. I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wanted. Well, well coach, it's it, it's always a, a a blast having you on. As I mentioned earlier, we hope to have you on again in the future, and I'm hoping that we'll be closer to the end, if not on the other side of this pandemic, so we can really talk some X's and O's and talk some hoops and get back to life as we knew it before. But um. I appreciate just again your time tonight. Well, uh, thank you once again for having me. Uh, you guys do a tremendous job in uh, urban sports. Hey, way to go! Keep up the great work. Oh, appreciate. It. Thank you so much, Coach. Still there? Hello. And we still here. Oh, I don't know, Coach. Oh, okay, here, Coach. Okay. Is Coach still here? Oh, yo, Coach, thank you so much. We appreciate you for being on. Hey, not a problem. Thank you. All right, thank you. Have a blessed day. And like Ray uh, said, we want to have you on again, hopefully after the pandemic. Yeah, God bless you guys, and uh, y'all stay safe, okay? Wear that mask and wash your hands. Oh, definitely. Thank We'll do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that was awesome, Ray. That was that was awesome, fellas. That was great. I want to hear about the how. You know, Howard to me was like Hillman back in the day. So <laughs> <laughs> everything goes world. back to Hillman. Everything right? goes back to a different world, bro. You know what I mean? Everything yeah, goes. Yeah, we we got some work to do. We got some work to do, Ole, because he named every school. I know, but you, yes, I know. It's, we, this, we got to get, we got to get our people on the map, bro. We do tournament. It's, I, some, it's some work. This, is, this has been a trend, right? <laughs> this has been a trend on most of these, <laughs> like most of these coaches or people that have been to HBCUs. Like you, <laughs> no. is like the last of the dying breed, dog. We don't get no, no love, man. No I've love. been trying to get players to go to, you know. You oh, there you go, coach. <laughs> I have not been successful with anyone there yet. <laughs> Oh, you not you are not helping. You're not helping. <laughs> you're not helping. <laughs> that that that's part of our job. You just reiterating why oh, we man. push our alma even further. I know, ain't that the truth? All right, we're about to go to break. So another loss for the Washington football team, and they have the Bengals next. We'll talk about that. At, we'll talk about this after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene. Hey, oh, thank you, thank you, you guys. Thank you, thank, thank you, you. Deuces. deuces. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, myself Wole. Sunday, 
the Washington football team fell to the Detroit Lions 30-27 to on the last-minute field goal, or last-second field goal, whatever you want to call it. Uh, your thoughts on the game, fellas? I'll, you can start with whoever. I'll let Ray go first. Mm-hmm. Will, you haven't said much. Yeah, Will, you go for talk, it. Brother. Go ahead, Will, jump in. Jump in. <laughs> well, um, a couple of things. Uh, no. Well, no, no, he got, he I mean, doing, he doing retro stuff. Right? About. You don't know what I'm talking about. He doing retro stuff, man. Our cousins, our cousins in Texas. <laughs> go ahead, bro. <laughs> nah, um, so a couple of things stood out for me. One, um, Cam Sims. Stepped up again, mm-hmm. played well. Another hundred yard game. Um, two, Alex Smith. I, I had my questions about what Alex, would the play calling change? How would Alex Smith stand up? Uh, would Alex Smith be able to execute the game plan mm-hmm. for Scott Turner and Ron Rivera? You know, we're taking those intermediate and deep shots. Um, he, he said. He fared fairly well, in my opinion. Uh, another observation I saw from the game was, is it just me or is it the same whenever Alex Smith has been in the game throughout this season, you know, whether it was against the Rams, whether it was against the Giants last week, whether it was against the Giants or the Detroit Lions this past Sunday. Um, he seems to get blitzed off the edge a lot, and he doesn't, yeah. and I don't know if he. If he, you know, if he can't audible out of the play, I don't know if he can't change the protection or what. But it always seems like when the blitz is coming, the blitz coming off the edge always gets to Alex Smith mm-hmm. and rattles him. Yeah. Um. So that's one of the things that another thing that I saw, you know, as far as um, blitz pickup from running backs and being able to change the protection, and also um, defensively, trash. The you know uh, Chase Young made a huge mistake with mm-hmm. that late. You know, with the rough and the passer call that, you know, that eventually ended up in the additional 15 yards, which allowed Jason Prater to kick the winning field goal. Um, so there's just a lot of things. It just seemed, um, a lot of undisciplined football is what I saw yeah. last Sunday. And once again, Washington had an opportunity to win, but they let, they let the Detroit Lions off the hook as usual. Mm-hmm. Right. Man, I got to see the highs and lows again <laughs> of the Washington football team fans on Twitter. Wole, I was watching you, bro. <laughs> you were definitely one of them. And I feel as though just for a second there, you were not wanting Chase Young to be on this team. Not, no, maybe not to that level, but nah, you were, it wasn't so, that you bad. were so upset with No, I just said, I just said it quick. Was, it was just dumb. <laughs> I, no, like the one thing on Twitter, like one thing when I'm on social media, I keep it 100. Like when something stupid is stupid. Like I, when I saw it, I was like, that's just dumb. And then, and then somebody tweeted was like, "Well, that was a bad call. Like you don't put yourself in that situation." To to Will T's point, that's just undisciplined football. Like why would you even put that in the hands of, of the officials, regardless of it? If you said if you were, if your argument is, "Well, um, they've been doing that to Alex Smith all day." Well, it's the last it's the last drive. You don't put yourself in that situation. So it's undisciplined football. And when you your team is undisciplined, who's that? Who's that fall on? You don't always, it falls on like your coaching staff because your coaching staff teaches mm. this to be a has that teaches a disciplined style of football. You don't you never see that with certain coaches undisciplined football regardless of your bad. Certain coaches 
they they it's enamored to you to play. At least you're going to play structured, clean football. You may not be a good football team, but you're going to play. I mean, in terms of winning and win, wins and losses, um, but you're not going to beat yourselves all the time. And this team has shown a pattern of playing undisciplined football. Dude, we we can have a discussion shortly because I'm gonna let you say your piece. I, I love the rant though. You did exactly what I wanted you to do, and I mentioned that's cool. <laughs> just how the fans were kind of having that, those waves of emotions. But remember, last week <laughs> you and I had this discussion about winning the time of possession, and Washington dominated. But what's so perplexing is when you're dominating the time of possession, you were still losing the game. Well, it was easy. it was great to see them come back. It's great to see offensive numbers, but I just don't understand. Oh offensively why do you, your team took so long to get started and why the, the field doesn't seem so spaced out it, i feel as though guys are so close together uh, and you have to target terry mccorn more often i'm sorry he's your number one receiver he's clearly becoming a stud uh, he's got to be a bigger part of the game plan i think the argument i mean the point is like all right there's things that this team did as a whole and what you're referring to that the first drive they're looking like they're going to score a touchdown. They're not looking like they're getting three points. It was second and two, I believe, from like the 15-yard line. What's the name? He runs a reverse and loses like 10 yards. Like he calls a reverse and loses like 10 Ooh. yards on the play. Scott Turner calls a reverse, and he loses like 10 oh, yards on the play. Okay. So, like, you, yeah. you have that. Then you had um, you had drives where you had a um, you had a missed field goal. Like, again, Hopkins missed another, he misses a field goal. So they didn't have any points on the board. Then you had Scary Terry when they were driving. He fumbled the football. It's just, again, it just goes back to what we talked about. Again, it's just you're finding ways to beat yourselves. Good teams, average teams. One question. Go ahead, Will. Will, Will, Will go ahead. No, no, go ahead. My, my, I thought you were pausing. No, no, sorry. I, I was like, were, good teams. Uh, my, all I want to say is good teams, average teams don't consistently beat themselves. This team, they don't just let the opposition beat them. They they also put they also include they include themselves in beating themselves in beating them. So, it's a double it's a double whammy. You know, the opposition may be a better team and this team also will compound on that by making idiotic mistakes. One question I have for you, you know, you follow the team and you, you know, you attended the games as a as a member of the media. Maybe you have some insight to this. I love this dude, man. He's no, I'm not guy. trying to be. I know, I know. No, I know you. Asking. I know, I know. Um, why, why is this team so committed to having Dustin Hopkins as their kicker? Bro, I do not know. I will say this though, because I met the dude. He's a very, very nice guy. Very, very nice guy. <laughs> that I will say. He's a very, very nice guy. Like, okay, that's so great. I get it. That's, that's so, great. That's yeah, cool. I know. He, he's a guy. I get it. He's a guy you were one of your neighbors. Yeah, exactly. I understand facts. that. That's facts. I won't but lie to why you. Why is Dustin Hopkins? I don't will. I don't know. Why is the Washington football well, team so committed to Dustin well, this Hopkins? Is, this is my issue with, like, one, you're right. I think he should have always had competition. And I think if he had competition in camp, he wouldn't have, he would have lost the job. Um, my issue with the whole Dustin Hopkins thing in this situation is that we when we're, and we're going to talk about like we talk we, I guess we'll talk about Dwayne eventually down the road. But you hold Dwayne. You said Dwayne wasn't living up, you know, for you wasn't living up to what you needed to to win football games. But you you consistently have this kicker who misses kicks almost every game, and you don't have that same. You don't hold him accountable like you hold like you held the quarterback. Like, like that's the thing. That's the problem with this whole regime. It's like you cannot single out one person, and okay, you did that. You made your change, fine, whatever. But then you have a kicker who consistently misses kicks. 
that you need points. When you have drives where you're, you have momentum and then he misses a kick and you're like, oh, here we go again. And he consistently does that. You have to, you have to set, you have to set the tone and say, you know what? If I'm going to do this, do this to one position, I'm going to hold this position the same way. Cause he could, he should have, he should have been had somebody in camp to compete with Dwayne, I'm mean, excuse me, to compete with uh, Dustin Hopkins. No, that's that, that's that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that in the past when he's been injured, they bring him back. Yeah. Um, his inconsistent <laughs> kicking this year. Um, and you mentioned it, Wale. Uh, why is it that you know we we're trying? You know, I'm not saying we. Mm-hmm. Ron Rivera, his coaching staff, and the Washington Football Team's management, they're trying to create a culture of accountability. Yeah. How is it that someone such as Dustin Hopkins? Hopkins, who plays a position that is largely expendable, still on this team, given his performance this year. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, I'm being real. Like I've Except said, in, pe- in previous years. Yeah, I don't get it. Like I said, like, even coming into this season, I was like, he shouldn't – He you should bring somebody in camp to compete with him. He should not have a given, a given job at all. Because over the last three years, he hasn't been consistent enough. You know what I mean? The first year when they when they signed him up, he was you know he was pretty accurate, but he hasn't like recently he just hasn't been accurate enough. He's and we're not talking about missing uh, forty five to fifty yard field goals. The dude is missing like thirty eight yard field goals and extra points. I mean when it gets to that when it gets that bad, man, you just you gotta make a change. You gotta make moves. All right, but um, the the, the Washington football team they're playing the Bengals on Sunday. Um, is the game against the Bengals truly winnable? I'll start with Ray. Of course it is. As we're seeing in this league, every game is winnable. It's just a matter of what you point out, pointing out, pointed out earlier is you can't help your opponent. You can't aid your opponent when you're already a struggling football team. And what's interesting coming into this game is Dwayne may or may not get the opportunity to play. If he were to get the opportunity to play, look who you're staring at on the opposite side of the field, Joe Burrow, Mm -hmm. a man who you beat out in college, and now you're seeing him starting in the league. Is that any motivation? To me, that's a storyline going into this week. And will you let that distract your football team? When I say will you let that distract your football team, I'm speaking to the coaching staff because so far what we've seen from this coaching staff as a whole is that they have to be better. The whole purpose of you bringing on a new regime was to – invoke culture change and insert culture change. And so far, again, it's debatable whether we've seen that. And how do you get your team to bounce back after a bad loss like they had on Sunday? Mm. So far, the team has started slow in most of their games this season. Will you repeat that against a team that also may come into this game demoralizing the Bengals after that performance against Pittsburgh? So I'm thinking that that, that from, a, from the Bengals' standpoint, they're looking at this as a W. On their calendar. And from a Washington standpoint, (laughs) it comes down to the question you just asked. It comes down to the question, is this winnable? As opposed to the Bengals side of things, they're saying this is winnable. So you have to go out there and prove them wrong. And every week is this discussion about can you win a division? Wole, my bad. I'm about to call you Wally. Whatever. (laughs) You talked about how the the Eagles are going to win a division. Well, it doesn't look that clear no more. No, it doesn't. And Washington, unfortunately, (laughs) is still in the discussion. No, stop talking about that discussion crap. I don't want to hear about that. They're in discussion. There shouldn't be no discussion. They're a horrible football team. They're a horrible (laughs) football team, bro. Stop it. Wole, no, I mean, I, I understand your frustration, but. Should you know? Should this team or any you know? Should this team and the team's fan base aspire or 
aspire to um, gauge their record and their ability against the upper crust of the NFC? Absolutely. But the reality is we're in a division with the Eagles, Mm -hmm. the Giants, and the Cowboys, and the way all three of those teams are playing, you only can judge yourself against those in your division. And let's just be honest, even though this team hasn't played well and neither have the other three teams played well, but they're still in the hunt. Yeah, it's just sad. It's just very sad to even acknowledge. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and you know, what's going to even make that more confound, you know, confounding is they play the Bengals this week and, like, you know, Ray said, you know, the Bengals probably think they have an opportunity to win, and also this, this Washington football team believes that they have an opportunity to win this week. Yeah, believe it's a strong so, thing, man. It, it is. Believing is a strong thing. Oh, you know what I mean? Hopefully, I mean. Hey, hey it Will. It's very, it's very <laughs> yeah, awesome. You hear Wole, right, on on his show, all the stuff he says. But if you look at his picks, he stayed picking Washington away. I know. It's so dumb. <laughs> it is so I'm so dumb, dog. Real talk. Is, I'm so dumb. I don't Washington. know why. I, you know what? I'm probably going to do it this week, too. Just to be. I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm an idiot, dog. I'm an idiot, dog. I'm an idiot. Like, uh I'm, I'm, I just want pain, bro. That's all I want, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm insane. That's just what it is, man. What's the definition of insanity? Keep doing the same things and hoping for a different result. Doing the same thing over and no, over. No, hoping for a different result, That's right? That's what you do. Yeah, man. Terrible, man. I always thought I was crazy anyway. All right. Who should the Wizards draft? We'll throw out, we'll throw out our, suggest- our suggestions after the break. Oh, Listen yeah. To the Let's go. <laughs> the ages. You do. Deuces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got a Mac in the vision, no cataract in my pupil. Don't understand my decision, so I don't need your approval. I'm a mother villain, just like you see in the movie. But still I'm up, keep up, stay low key like a casino. Hit no weed for the casino, pocket full of the casino, back up full of that primo baby. Drinking no pino and margarita, bikinis in different cities. You see me with liquor, Serena, liquor me so empty. See to the line between a maniac and a genius. Fill up arenas, promote them. Take that to the cleaner. Two decades straight, a hundred show, hundred k at the gate. A night of peace, capiche, bread bigger than me. On the road to riches and diamond rings. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, myself, Wole. Uh, the Washington, uh, and we're now part of a sports journey. The Washington Wizards have the ninth pick in the NBA draft. Realistically speaking, who would you like for this team to draft? Uh, I'll start with, uh, I'm going to start with Will. Realistically speaking? Yeah. Um, either Devin Vassell, the sale out of Florida State, mm-hmm. or... I think he may be around um, Tyrese Halliburton. That's uh, Halliburton. He he plays Those for who? Two guys that I think he plays for uh, Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah, that's right. Okay. To me, Tyrese Halliburton. He to me, his game reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon mm. a little bit. But, but yeah. So, uh, you know, Wizards could definitely use a, a backup point guard, but, um, <laughs> regardless of what others said, they didn't have a, a backup point guard that they were grooming or uh-huh. could be groomed for the future. Yeah. So, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, either one of those guys. Right, who you got? What's your preference? I, I, I am 
uh, I'm a huge fan. You know, I've been talking about Tyreek Halliburton forever. Yeah. But I'm growing more and more fond of Anyeka Nkongwu, and I'm thinking that Go ahead, if he's there, I'm thinking if he is there, <laughs> then, then you have to take him. I, I even like Jalen Smith, even though they would be taking him really high if they, if they took him uh. with the pick that they have because he's projected <clears throat> to go around 19th. Mm-hmm. But you you – did a good you did a good thing by drafting Rui Hachimura last year, of course, and then you bring in another sort of hybrid six nine can run the floor, can shoot, can defend. I think it's perfect for what you're trying to accomplish defensively moving forward because that's my focus. We've had many discussions right about where this team is improved. Scoring points isn't going to be their problem. It's can they stop anybody? Mm. And I bring I believe you bring in on Congo that. He will help you defensively along with the pieces that you already have in place. And, and the guys that you have currently in the five position, such as the Thomas Bryant, they're just not athletic enough for today's game. Yeah. Um, I like I like a Conwell. That's a, that's a great – Go ahead. Go, Will. No, that, that's a great suggestion, Ray, but I just don't think a Conwell is going to be available at pick number nine. You know who I want to get, I just don't see it any way possible. I, I don't think he makes it past. If he's a vet, I don't think he makes it past Detroit. If he isn't, if he isn't drafted by um, Chicago or um, Charlotte, I wish they drafted Bow Bow last year. Then we wouldn't even be having this discussion. My gosh! Even though I like, um, I like, I like Admiral, but he ain't still. no Bow Bow. He ain't no Bow Bow. That's a whole different animal. Man, you know what? I, it's Greg, Greg Anthony's son. Listen. I want Greg Anthony. I want them to get Greg Anthony's son. Cole Anthony. Oh, man, I think he uh, like maybe, that. Maybe, I think he like maybe. that. I think he is so nah, I think he's going to the Sixers. You think he? Oh, you think he's going to the Sixers? I think he goes to the Sixers. Yeah, he's not. I think he goes to the Sixers at like pick twenty-one. Man, I would. I I think that dude going to be a stud. I think he just got the, he got an NBA game. He just that he had injuries at Carolina that kind of uh, kind of derailed him. But I think whoever gets him is a steal. Um, they they get a steal. Um, I, I mean, I do like I like the kid, like I like Okonwu, um from from you. I like him. I think that's a good fit. Um, I'm with Ray in terms. They need some athleticism. If he does slip there, that's definitely the ideal pick. Um, they're just a, they're like and Halliburton is, is a player they would you know I think they can utilize. But I feel like they have players like Halliburton on their squad though. But <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean I think there's more for depth for the Wizards. You know, I don't, this draft isn't the deepest draft. So they just got to find a smart basketball player who can fit to what they want to do. Um, but uh, what do you think? Do I would push back. I, I, I think there's some, you like the I think there's some talent later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some talent later in the middle of this draft, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I forgot what the – I can't pronounce his name. The center from Serbia, Alexi, Alexi – I forgot his name. Uh, um, but he's like a seven-foot center. The one um, the, from the, Serbia. Not the shoot, going, shoot the three. The dude who can mm-hmm. shoot the three? The one who can shoot the three? No, not him. Okay. Uh, I forgot. I forgot. He's from Serbia, but he he's a guy who has a a, a good skill set mm-hmm. for um for a step for for a center. Then I also like um what's the uh, Josh Green from Arizona. Oh, he's supposed to come to L.A. He's a guy that's not going to be. Yeah, he's a guy who's not going to be picked in the. Brett. Yeah, you said what? You say he's not supposed to be picked in the first. He's gonna be late, a late first round pick, right? You know, and yeah, yeah, he's 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 a guy who's not necessarily projected to be a 
uh, a lottery pick, yeah. but I think he's going to be a, a serviceable NBA player. Red Mamba, right? The Red Mamba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what they call him. <laughs> no, um, I, I think there's some good basketball players. I just don't, I don't, I don't, it's just interesting. I mean, it's an interesting draft. Um, it could be similar to what when Kawhi got drafted. Um, Kawhi ended up being like the better, I guess. Was Steph in that draft too with Kawhi? Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's but that's the Auto Porter draft, right? With Kawhi, right? That's the Auto Porter draft. Am I correct? Or am I off on that one? Yep. Right. I believe so. Yeah, I believe that's the Auto Porter Clay Thompson. Be, is it? I could be wrong. Draft. But I just think that yeah. Um, there, I mean, there's some players. I mean, in, in any draft, right? There are players that you know that could be a middle round, a middle of the, you know, a middle, a mid rounder. Um, in terms of the first round. Or in the late rounds where, you know, you end, they end up being, you know, really good basketball players or all-star caliber basketball players. Um, like I want to say, was it Josh? Is it Josh Howard who played for, uh, Wake Forest? Was it Josh Howard back in the day? Went to the Dallas Mavericks? Is it Josh Howard? Or I know it's Howard. Uh, to correct you, no. To correct you, no, that, um, the 2013 draft, that wasn't the draft. Okay. With, um, Clay Thompson. Okay. And, um, yeah, but we'll, we'll see, man. Hopefully the Wizards make the right decision. That's all we, that's all we want as Washington, uh, folks who follow this team. I can't say I'm a fan of the team, but I do follow the team and support some certain players of the team that you just want this team to drive correctly and support their point guard, which we'll talk about in the next segment, uh, because a lot of, uh, talk with these trades and transactions and whatnot and rumors. Uh, one of them is James Harden once out of Houston and, and Chris Paul officially, um, was traded to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we'll discuss this. And much more after the break and listening to the Urban Sports Thing. For ages. You dig? Deucing. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with myself, Wole, Will T, Ray, Jeezy. Us now part of Sports Journey, so check us out at sportsjourney.com. Right, before, I mean, I wanted to first, I wanted to talk about uh, Chris Paul, you know, being traded to the Suns, but you know, this this popped up. There's a rumor now that John Wall and and Russell Westbrook may be involved in the trade, having John Wall go to the Houston Rockets and Russ coming to DC. Uh, Ray, I want your thoughts on that, man. What's up with that, man? 
<laughs> See, I want to put out there very quickly because I'm on I'm on YouTube now, advocating for John Wall in DC. I, I, I am a John Wall fan. I will say it again. However, there are many reasons why I would love this trade, and I'm not necessarily loyal to John Wall. Why should I be? You know what I'm saying? It ain't like I know him personally. Even if he if he came on this show, I would still show him love. But if, if we get at what we, I'm sorry, I am a Wizards fan. I'm not going to front. Sorry, Knicks fans. You know your team is worse. But anyway, um, <laughs> Russell Russell Westbrook Russell Westbrook has a very comparable contract, and actually, you'd be saving a little bit of money bringing him in. He's more durable. He's a former MVP, All NBA. Every year, he plays nearly every game. I think he played 80 games last season. Russell Westbrook is always going to give you 110%, especially on the defensive end. I'm going to beat it to death. Defense is what this Wizards team needs. He will reunite with Scott Brooks. That's just a few reasons why I think this will be great for the Washington Wizards. And also them actually showing some stones and doing something bold. When we had Ernie as the, the general manager, what did, what did he do? Andrew Nicholson, Yao Mahimi, those are the splashes. This will be a real splash right here. Well, T. Allow me to retort. <laughs> um, I hate, I hate this, I hate this potential trade. Um, here's why. Russell Westbrook is a very ball dominant guard. Not only is he a very ball dominant guard, but from a personality standpoint, um, he has a very dominant personality. Bradley Bill is starting to come into his own as a leader of this organization. Bradley Bill uh, averaged 30 points last year, six assists, and I believe five rebounds. So you're starting to see kind of, you know, in previous years, this was, we thought of this as John Wall's team, but now, this team is starting to transition and become Bradley Bill's team. You add Russell Westbrook to that, and I think that very much stymies um, Bradley Bill's ability to become a leader for this organization. And then we talk about the encore dynamic of it. Um, John Wall is a what we would consider a real point guard, a pass-first point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you need that when you have a guy like Bradley Bill, who's a, a, a very good three-point shooter and has also started to add the aspect of being an effective playmaker. If you add Russell Westbrook at this point, um, to me, I just did, yes, Ray, you're right. It, it's a, you know, it's a splash move, but it isn't a splash move that helps put this team anywhere near the top four or five, the top, rather the top three, three or four spots in the East. Ray, so are you. I think Will's talking to you. Oh, I will. I, I can, I'll definitely respond to that. Bradley Bill, can't argue with him becoming a leader. You can't argue with the fact that he gets better every season. However, with him leading the pack, it hasn't resulted in many wins. Russell Westbrook in the Eastern Conference? Can, can we get a chance to at least see that? That that would be awesome. You can argue <sighs> uh, the fact that Russ is a ball stopper. He's a, a ball dominant guard. Again, I'm not even going to necessarily debate that. But Russell Westbrook wins everywhere he goes. He wins, even when he clashed somewhat with KD. He he 
may may have clashed with Harden. It's, it's r- r- rumors that him and Harden didn't necessarily uh, want to play with each other anymore. I don't know how true that is. It doesn't sound like it was true based on what we saw no, on social media when they were wishing each other happy birthday and all. But anywho, I believe that Russell Westbrook and East would definitely be uh, an even more dominant player than he was in the Western Conference where he went up against the likes of Dame and Harden on a regular basis before he played with Harden and Steph and Clay. I'm telling you, it would be great to see Russell Westbrook go up against the Joel Embiid to renew actually a, a rivalry for the Wizards. Who is, who is the Wizards' rival? Russell Westbrook will sell tickets. There's so much that he's going to bring to the table. And John Wall, the only I'm concerned about is injuries at this point. I love the fact that he's a, a pass point guard. He's a traditional point guard. But at this point, the concern is for his health. And they're only two years apart. Again, I, I feel as though you should make the deal. Atlanta looks like they're about to uh, sign Gordon Hayward. And they got a young squad. They bring in a savvy veteran like him. Teams are making moves. You got to make moves, too, if you want to compete. I'm sorry. I don't know, John. Can't say stagnant. Great. Uh, uh, very, very point. Great. Hold on. Wally, let me just one more, one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Good point, Ray. But one thing we, I think me and you have failed to bring up to this point is we had the Wizards currently have Russell Westbrook's old coach, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a right. You have a guy who knows a lot about Russell Westbrook as a player. Do you think that it's telling or not? Well, I'm not going to say because we, we don't know what Scott Brooks thinks, but one of the things that came out, you know, you know, um, after um, Scott Brooks was let go of the as a coach of the coach of the um, Oklahoma City Thunder was he didn't hold Russell Westbrook accountable enough. Kevin Durant, who was also the star player on that team, felt that way. Do you think that? it would be a positive for this organization if they have Scott Brooks as the coach and who has a track record of not being able to hold Russell Westbrook accountable. How do, what does that do from a morale standpoint for this team going forward? If he's going to Here's play? how I answer that real quick. Reggie Jackson, who's now in Detroit. Is he in Detroit? I'm sorry, the Clippers. He's, in, he's with the Clippers. I apologize. Yeah. Reggie Jackson was disgruntled in Oklahoma City. Because he wanted more playing time. He felt as though he needed to be on the floor. He could help the team get over the hump in terms of winning a championship. But what does Scott Brooks consistently say? He's forgetting that in front of him is a guy named Russell Westbrook, a walking triple-double. So you know that him and Russ, just from that standpoint alone, that says that they have a good relationship and he's an advocate. Now, there may be that Doug Collins-Jordan type of dynamic there to where maybe he gets away with with, – but too much, I'm not sure. But I feel as though the coach-player relationship would be fine, honestly, just based on that. Walls is just – You know what I'm saying? The Walls is just a better <laughs> – I mean, we're talking point guards. Walls is just a better point guard at this particular – as playing the point guard position, forget the triple-doubles. Sometimes triple-doubles get masked into a lot. Like, he rebounds well. I mean, Russ rebounds well. Plays with a certain amount of energy, but there are times in a basketball game we we just gotta assess the IQ and what you're doing in critical times in terms of making the right basketball play. And and many times, regardless you like Wall or hate Wall or whatever, you jump, you get on this jumper or whatnot. That dude makes great basketball plays in terms of getting his teammates involved and having just being a basketball savant as a point guard and knowing where to pick his spots, where to drive, where to kick things, kick it out. 
the only knock we've all ever had about John Wall, to be honest with you, is that well, two knocks. He complains about calls. He does. He, he, he complains about calls. And second is his, his jumper. But in terms of getting his players involved, we've always made the argument that John Wall has made this player a lot of money because he made Otto Porter better. He made he's made Trevor Ariza a better basketball player. He's made Paul Pierce, who he looked like he was done. He came to D.C. He made him a better basketball player. John Wall has made players better. Period. And you can like Stephen Adams is still decent in 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 OKC. He's the same Stephen Stephen uh, Stephen Adams. Ibaka is the same Ibaka. You can't really say that what Russ, even though with his triple doubles, has made players better as a point guard. Because if we're talking about point guards, we're not talking about triple doubles. We're talking about point guards are playing the position, just like we talk about Chris Paul. Chris Paul, which we mentioned, you know, before break, Chris Paul makes his players better. He's made. Uh, DeAndre Jordan better. He made he helped Blake Griffin get better. Like Blake Griffin got easier buckets playing with Chris Paul. Something about playing with John Wall makes you better. Now, granted, we could talk about health, this, that, the other. I get that. That's a good argument. I'm not taking I'm not taking that away. But Russ has had some injuries too. Bounce back. He had, he had a injury during this this part of the season. I missed a few games. But I'm just saying that John Wall, in terms of playing the position for this and for this Washington for the Washington Wizards, it's a good fit because. There are players that he can get involved and he can get easy buckets to make to mask their deficiency deficiencies offensively in terms of the individual players of creating their own shots. You never mentioned defense and all that you said. Well, John Wall's John Wall's a decent to me. I've always and you know this. I've said this before. Defensively if, speaking, if he puts John Wall the work. is a just as good a defender as Russ. And Russ has gotten over when he locks in. Yeah, he locks but in. Russ is the same way though. But when does real he talk, lock in on no, no, real talk, Ray, Russ is the same way. Russ hasn't been that same defensive baller for real since he first broke in the league five years ago. Because just like I said, talk about Wall, Russ in 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 uh, UCLA was an all world defender before he came to the league. Before he even thought offense, you know, what I'm saying he got in the league, then he had to start thinking offense. Russ has been a good defender, but once he got offensive, Russ wasn't strapping people like he used to. The same thing with they're they're similar. They're similar defenders. You see, you you can put up clips of Russ not paying attention to details, having people do backdoor cuts, and him not playing, and him not bumping his man or following his man. He does the same exact thing that John Wall does. The same exact thing. All right, I'm, I'm not going. Like I said, it, it, it's a great debate. Mm. Here's my thing. Go ahead. In terms of just us having this discussion, we talk about versus battles and stuff. So <laughs> let's do it. I feel as though <laughs> on this topic right here, me, myself, and Will T, we're objective. We have no favoritism. We're just sharing uh, yeah. our opinions. Like it won't make me. It won't make a break. It won't make a break you either. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it won't. but there is a there's you a bias always share your thoughts about Wall. There's a you bias. Always share about your thoughts about Wall. You <laughs> always share these thoughts about Russ. You. You were talking about how Ola Depot was better in OKC than Russ was. So I already know where you stand. I like Russ, I though. It, I like Russ, though. But it, I'm saying, no. I, no, no, no. I know you do because he's the cook Kobe. <laughs> no, no, so, no. So real talk. Like the, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be real with you. Go ahead. I'm going to let you be real with you. Bro. Go ahead. What, what I like be about real. Russ. That, that's how I always know. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm going to keep it a buck. Whenever you start like that. Go no, ahead. no, no. Because you're right. I said that. What I said about Russ is that I felt like Russ, to, to a point, yeah, about Ola Depot is that like Russ wouldn't, didn't. He didn't let – well, I won't say just Russ. Coaching staff, too, they didn't allow Oladipo to do what he was able to do in, in Indiana because Oladipo was dropping buckets Orlando, went to OKC. You didn't hear – everybody said he was a bum. Went to Indiana, you pretty much got the same Oladipo, but, just, but more featured in Indiana. Then, all right, so now we're looking at Russ. Like Russ – what I like about Russ, which, you know, it's funny, is that 
he didn't let the naysayers change what he was about. And I respect that. Like, I do like that. Like, everybody was like, you got to defer to this. You got to defer. Like, Kevin Durant, you got to defer. When KD left, he still he balled out in terms of getting, you know, becoming an MVP. Like, he didn't listen to the naysayers. He didn't let them distract him from what he was doing on the basketball court. So, I, I respect Russ. I was, he works hard. He plays hard. So, I respect that. I'm like, dude, I, watch, I love watching Allen Iverson. He played hard. I love watching John Wall, who plays hard. I love watching players who do play hard. And I'm not going to take that away from Russ. Mm-hmm. Russ plays hard, and I enjoy watching a baller who's aggressive, is in your face, talking trash, and playing hard. I'm not – I ain't going to hate – he grew on me. Like, Russ grew on me. Put it that way. CP3 wins wherever he goes. Yeah. Russ did – his team still was a winning playoff team, even after the departure of a superstar. Look at what happened when LeBron left Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Look at what happens when, when superstars usually leave franchises. It's usually a rebuilding process most of the time, not all the time. There's yeah. going to be some, some, some instances where that's not the case. But for the most part, that's what we expect, right? Yeah. And Oklahoma City, I'm not going to say they didn't miss a beat because, of course, you, 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 you can't fill the void of Kevin Durant. It's nah. impossible. However, again, they compete, and this man won a league MVP. You can say what you want about him or Harden, but you cannot argue against somebody winning a league MVP. That yeah. puts him in company with the GOAT, the, with, with Jordan, with Steph, with LeBron, with Magic. Russ is somebody that, in my opinion, even though people said his, his, his game wouldn't age well, well, look at him. He, he's still just as athletic as he was three, four years ago. Yeah. And you're right. He has had some injuries, but they haven't slowed him as much as they had Wall. That's all I'm saying. But either way, they, I'm okay. Wall has built a great rapport with the yeah. fans here, with the city. I'm not going to be mad, but I, I like the fact that the Wizards are being aggressive. All right, so real, real quick, I was going to talk about Chris Paul's trade. We're about to, we're running out of time, but um, thoughts on uh, something bigger. Chris Paul got traded to the Suns. Okay, it's cool. Suns will be okay. Um, but, John, but James Harden, James Harden has been rumored to be <laughs> traded to the Nets. I just want to like, I just want to understand this for real, like real talk. Like, you think Kyrie's that is cool with that? Like, you think that dude is cool with being third fiddle? Like, for real? Apparently, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what Chris Mannix is, is reporting, that he, he's not necessarily feeling it, although from what we are seeing, it sounds like Kevin Durant is the one recruiting mm. James Harden. But I don't think they can make it work from a business perspective. So I, I don't see it happening. Um, I don't, I don't, James Harden, I don't know where he could end up in terms of what he's expecting to get paid if he wants to be on a winner. Because Philly is another team, as I mentioned, yeah. as a suitor for him playing for Doc and alongside, yeah. of course, Ben and Joel. But again, can you make that work money wise? You already have so many. Well, you have three guys with huge contracts. Oh, I think Ben be gone though. I think Ben would Tobias, be gone. Tobias, Tobias I think Ben included. would be gone though, right? I think Ben would be the one traded. Oh, oh, is that what you think? Oh, yeah, well, I think ben in that be case, gone. yeah. I, yeah, well, maybe you can make it work then. I, I didn't think that. I thought that when um, Daryl Morey started, he said that basically Ben and Joel were off, off limits. They were making and, it sound like so they, did yeah. Elton Brand. There's a lot of rumors about Ben when Dude came back. Like, There's a lot of rumors that Ben would be gone eventually. So I, I, to me, if you get James Harden, you got to give up. You got to give up a superstar, or you got to give up the bank in terms of like, especially you train. If you train James Harden to the Nets, your first round pick ain't worth it. Like, you know, that ain't you. You giving me four 
first rounders when you got James Harden, um, uh, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. Like, I mean, sorry, not Ben Simmons. Um, James Harden, yeah, Kyrie Irving, and Durant. Like, that's not good enough. Like, I'm, dude, you gotta give me a like. Levert's great. I like Levert, but you gotta give me more. Like, we talking about James Harden. We talk about you just talking about MVPs. We talking about a dude that had carried Houston for real. Like, for a long time before he got CP uh, three. Like he carried them to like the Western Conference Finals and played and played Golden State tough, which basically him as the only superstar. Nah, that dude he need to nah. Like he, you need to offer what well, he you got to offer a lot to get a James Harden. Ultimately, I don't think James Harden has moved from the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I kind of mm-hmm. think that too. Mm-hmm. Hold on, hold on. I think. Hmm? I'm with you. I agree. I don't think he really gets moved. What you say? I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he gets moved. I agree with you. He, yeah, he has he has too many. I think he has like three years left on his contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and those three years would include this, this upcoming 2021 um, NBA season. So I, I don't think he gets moved. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. So, all right, it's about time to go to break. Um, but TKO'd. Kill Brooks Saturday night. Is Bud the best boxer in the world? According to ESPN, the top rank he is. We'll talk about the fight after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Thing. Ages. You dig? Come on, man. Listening to the Urban Sports Scene with myself, Wole, Ray Jeezy, Will T had to step off of the show, but man, he's much appreciated, man. You know what I'm saying? He, he's, he's a godfather of the show, man. He's one of the godfathers. All right. Last Saturday, WBO welterweight champ Terrence Bud Crawford T- TKO'd Kell Brooks in the fourth round. Um, I would say thoughts on the fight, but to me, he did what he's supposed to do, right, Ray? <laughs> he, like, he did what he's supposed to do. He TKO'd a, a, a done boxer. Right, Kell Brook is who we thought we he is who we thought he was. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he looked good two one. He had like to me he had he had two out of the three rounds before that fourth round. Um, but you know, it's like to me eventually the cream rises to the top. So when you when you're that much when you're better than than a particular boxer, that's what's supposed that that's going to happen. Eventually, you're going to do what you're supposed to do. Now, granted, he he closed the show out, you know, and did what he had to do. He knocked him out. I mean, TKO'd him. Um, he knocked him. He, he he knocked him down with a jab, um, that caught Kell Brook off off guard, and then he finished the fight. You know, Bud does finish fights, so um, it is what it is. Um, I have more of a thing about what I heard after the fight, and we'll talk about. Let me let me go to the next question, um, and the one I st- stated before we went to break. Um, ES, um, do you agree with ESPN, Bob Arum, that Bud Crawford is the best boxer? In the world, and I say that sarcastically, not about Bud being arguably the best boxer in the world, but ESPN and Bob Arum, because they did so much Saturday Night Right. They did so much, but I want to get your opinion though. 
No, I don't agree with Bob Aaron because, as we already know, and it's not Bud. It's well, I'm not gonna say it's not Bud's fault. It's a combination of Aaron and Bud is the reason why Bud hasn't landed these big fights. Mm-hmm. If if you look at the numbers, the preliminary numbers from this past weekend, because of the event was free, mm-hmm. ESPN just like in the T.O. Fimo fight averaged a ton of viewers, yeah. which shows the type of guy Bud is. Yeah. If He's, if you put him in a place to be marketed correctly. Yeah. And what I mean by that is now ESPN themselves, they don't market the fights really. Um, Bob Aram said that himself, but he's like, if you have ESPN Plus, which you feel like a lot of people do, I don't agree with that either, but he's like, then you're going to see a lot of promotion for, the, for, for Bud Crawford and all of top-ranked fighters. But what I'm saying is when, when you know that you have a very popular fighter like Bud, then – in my opinion, when you're negotiating against guys like Errol Spence who do more pay-per-view numbers, you have to find a way to make that fight happen. But it's like Aaron all this time has not been willing to concede. And now at this point, what he's trying to do is he's trying to keep Bud on his roster. That's all he's trying to do. Like you can tell he doesn't even believe what he's saying. Bruh. He said if you put <laughs> Errol Spence or Keith Thurman in a ring with Bud, He's going to do the same thing he did to Kell Brook. You're an idiot. <laughs> you are a true idiot. If, if you think that he's going to knock Errol Spence out in the third round, and, and, I mean, it didn't take much to get Kell Brook out of there. No disrespect to him. It did not take much to get him out of there. My goodness, one flurry. I'm like, Gamboa showed more heart than Kell Brook. Oh. And you said it coming into the fight. Kell Brook was done. <laughs> so Bob, And Bob Arum, you, Bob Arum is somebody who you can read him. Mm. You you know what's going through the man's mind, and it's been coming out. Look at all his interviews. He's frustrated with Bud. He's frustrated with trying to get Bud to market himself. He's frustrated with the fact that they paid Bud so much, but they haven't gotten much on. on they haven't gotten much in return because Bud hasn't sold any pay per views. It, it's the truth, but it's the opponent. I guarantee if they go to Al Heyman and. Why not take the quarter fight? more of the and gets more, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. Go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry, I cut you. Off. I cut you. Off. Go ahead. No, I'm saying if 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 Errol Spence is if, if let's say Errol Spence gets mm-hmm. sixty above forty, Al Heyman takes that plus the gate. You still, if you're Terrence Crawford, you're gonna make a ton of money because a lot of people are gonna buy that fight. Yes. If Deontay Wilder and and Tyson Fury can do eight hundred thousand plus buys, then you know that fight. Yeah, would actually look like Floyd type numbers in a in a in a day and age where people are streaming and stealing. <laughs> so <laughs> you already you already know you already know that that Aram has Aram has dropped the ball and Bud this your last year with top rank dude you better learn your lesson. Even though I also don't like the fact that they didn't mention they didn't mention how Terrence turned down Porter. Um, Porter. Porter, Sean Porter, yeah. and they and they also they they don't mention the fact that top top rank fighters do. I mean, not top rank. I'm sorry, PBC fighters. They've been wanting to get in the ring with Terrence. It's, it's like ESPN was trying to push a narrative, oh my like a political station. It was so freaking annoying. Sorry, go ahead. No, this is that's that, and that's my issue. Like the, it was the it was the ESPN top rank agenda. Like it was too much for me, and we oh, talked about this. It was just so bad. It was just so bad, man. Like. This and I, you know, and Earl on Twitter was like he was jive cool with it, but man, like to keep saying like to act like Earl is ducking Bud Crawford, like this whole narrative, it's like you, y'all getting real political, like to make trying to brainwash people to say, all right, yeah, 
uh Earl is ducking he Earl is ducking uh uh um Bud. Like where are you getting that from? Like for real. Like it's common sense. Like y'all all like most of you folks love Mayweather. Right. Mayweather is not going to fight somebody just to fight somebody. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to he's going to be like, yo, what do you bring it to the table? It's a negotiating thing. What do you bring mm-hmm. it to the table? You come with me 50 50. I'm Mayweather. You saying 50. And I'm not calling Earl Mayweather. But in this situation, when we're comparing the two in terms of pay-per-view buys. Dude, you come at me 50 50 dog. I, I sold out. I sold out Dallas, dog. I, I sold out Dallas yeah. with, with uh, Mikey. What you do? Like what you do with Amir Khan? You thought Amir Khan was gonna give you your, I mean, overseas money, but what you do with that pay per view? Like what did you, like what are your numbers? Your numbers don't, they don't equate. So you can't say that. You can't go into the game saying fifty fifty. That's not ducking. That's just, that's just being, that's just business. Like I don't care how skilled you are. Like you said, he's, he's like the most skilled box. That means nothing. That means like at the end of the day, the viewers dictate how much you get paid because the viewers want to see you. And if you ain't getting, and if you ain't bringing that that bank off of what you bring to the table, um, like with even with marketing yourself and in the ring, you don't ask for fifty fifty. Bob, if you if if Bob Aaron wanted it so bad, do 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 sixty forty. If Bud beats Earl, yep. Bud's on a whole different level now, and he ain't it ain't even sixty forty, it's seventy whatever. Because then Bud is the top dude in boxing. Period. That's what it is, dog. You start you start one way, and then then, then you go off of that alone. Everybody's done that. Like people have done that in the boxing game throughout. Like people who fight. Like I believe when uh, Holyfield fought Tyson, he took a substantial amount less compared to Tyson, and then the second fight he made way more. So it doesn't like. You do what you do, like you make what you do is like you take that because the numbers did dictate that Earl should get paid more. You take that and you rock with it. And if you beat Earl, dude, you on a whole different tax bracket and you don't got to worry about nothing. So I, but I don't think I don't blame Bud. I blame Bob. I, I, I think Bob is doing that. I don't put that on Earl. I mean on Bud. The only thing I put on Bud is that dude, you shouldn't have signed that deal when you had an opportunity to get exactly. out. Exactly. That's the only thing I blame about blame. Exactly. Like you get out of that deal. Like once you were out. Yo, all the fighters are over there. And the whole this whole thing about ducking like Thurman ducked you. And which is these are all facts. Thurman ducked you. Danny Garcia duck, ducked you. Bruh, they ducked the same dude on PBC. They ducked Earl. But as soon as they got desperate, now they want to fight Earl because they need a bam. They need Earl because yep. Earl the top dog. Exactly. It's the same thing for you. Like yep. they gonna exactly. challenge you now. They gonna challenge you now because now you the top dog. So they gotta challenge you. But when they were the top dogs, they ain't gonna look. They gonna look at you as a threat. They gonna be like, nah, that's a risky. That's a risky fight. I ain't gonna take that fight. I'm gonna fight somebody else. I'm gonna look for that Pacquiao money before I look at the Bud money. Cause Bud, you ain't making no money, and you can beat me. So that's what they do. They did that with Earl too. So I don't want to hear this notion that, that well, yeah, all the PBC fighters duck. No, they duck their own. They duck Spence. So who? What does that mean, bro? Yeah, I, that is that is the perfect point. And another thing, just going back to the broadcast real quick. It's like when you're on the air. When I say you, I'm talking about Andre Ward, Max Kellerman, Tim Bradley. It's as if they are being, it's as if they're being told what they need to say and what they can't say. Because if you watch Andre Ward after the fight, it's like he kept it a buck. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm uh-huh. not the biggest fan of fighthype.com, but mm-hmm. I'll give him a shout out on this. They had a great interview with Andre Ward after the fact. And he, he, he touched on all of what the discussion was. And he said that Spence holds the upper hand in terms of negotiations. He acknowledged that. Now on the air, he's not going to say that. But the, I mean, this, this 
pound for pound, pound for pound, Terrence pound for pound, Terrence pound for pound. It was like, oh man, this is this is getting beyond oh annoying because they did the same thing with Lomachenko a few weeks before till he lost, and and now it's like, all right, we got to now push Terrence because right now we know that that PBC holds holds upper hand. It looks as though, and I, I'm gonna mention this too. It looks as though Tank Davis, his fight during the pa- pandemic against Leo Santa Cruz did more than what Terrence Crawford was doing in pay-per-view before the pandemic. It did. What what says that PBC still holds up a hand in in spite of what Bob Aram is saying. So, yo, I don't care what you say about ESPN, ESPN Plus, man. I I don't have ESPN Plus. (laughs) Wole, you don't have it. It's not as popular as what Aram is trying to say it is. ESPN has been said they bleed money from it. Yeah. Get out of here, bro. I don't want to hear UFC on ESPN is more popular. More popular than Bob than boxing. Crazy. Sorry. It's way he, more popular. Bob Aram is bad for boxing right at times. He is bad for boxing. But I got to show him love on the fact that his free, his free shows have actually done well because he's put his best fighters I in the it. ring. And that was smart. I love that. That I do love. I'm not going to knock him. But I'm just talking about I think he's done a, he's done a smart thing by putting – by making his shows free like i but at the same time though like let's keep it a buck like some of these dudes can't carry a pay-per-view card though which is his fault right like i'm not going to like it's his fault like he did a bad job or i mean with bud i'm sorry like with, to be that skilled of a boxer to be arguably to be real with you because he's in the discussion arguably the best boxer in the game you know what i'm saying so like and for him to not be pay-per-view that's crazy and in, in, in the era of wealth, in the at the time of welterweight welterweights right now, bro, like he he should be pay per view, but he's not. Like, but he's not, and that's not, and that's a problem with promotion. You know what I'm saying? Like they try to get this Pacquiao money. Like that's that's the desperate the desperate play now. Because you heard him talk about we had Pacquiao lined up. I'm like, yo, Bob. Aaron, I mean, I'm Al Heyman is a is a tremendous and a very smart businessman. You know, and he has a stable of young, vicious boxers. Do you mm. think, like, really, like, really, th- th- put your business hat on. Like, really, folks, I want everybody to listen. Put your business hat on. You got Earl Spence. He's this <laughs> close, dog. He's this, he's your prize. He's your he's basically your cash cow right now. If you're going to really rank his stable, you got Earl Spence. You got, I mean, but, you know, Charlo's, the Charlo brothers are pretty good, too. But you got Earl Spence. Like, and he's fighting... Uh, he's Danny Garcia. If he beats Danny Garcia, right, and he'll, and he'll probably do good pay per view buys. If he fights, if he beats Danny Garcia, you don't think he's gonna be like, yo, like Al Haven's gonna be like, yo, I'm gonna give you Pacquiao because that's gonna put you on a whole different bracket. That's gonna put you on a whole different tax bracket. Like, mm, you know what I'm saying? Point. That that because because Pacquiao is in your stable. Like he's not in Pacquiao's in your stable. So now you're gonna be like. Hey, I got my stable. I got Manny here. It's easy. It's an easy. It's an easy negotiating thing. I got Manny here. I help Manny out because you know I help pay Manny's taxes. So Manny's indebted to me anyway. Uh, I got now. I got uh, and I got Earl. That's that's my that's my star. Yo, I'm gonna set that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to promote Earl to be the best boxer hands down, but via the pound for pound pound for pound list, and in terms of making the draw as as a box office smash. Dude, I'm gonna give that to Earl before I get that to Bud. Well said, brother. Well said. I can't really add anything. Mm-hmm. I can't really add anything to that except mm-hmm. Edgar Berlanga. Learn from Bud, brother. <laughs> you, you have amazing talent. Yeah, bro. And if, if they if top rank don't display this dude more often, he's gonna have to Facts. get up out of there. Facts. 
That's facts. All right, we didn't get a chance to make our, go, our Week 10 NFL picks on air, but <laughs> you can find our picks on the football garbage. <laughs> so it's a Week 11 night, Week 10. It's Week 11, right? Week 11, excuse me. Uh, you can make our, our picks um, at uh, the Football Garbage Time website, which is at uh, www.footballgarbagetime.com. That's part of our urban, it's part of the Urban Sports Team Football Garbage Time Challenge. Will T is currently in third place. I moved all the way up to fourth place, and Ray is in eighth place. Um, George, the, George, the homie George is in second place now. He replaced Will T and Hakun Wan from the Football Garbage uh, Time Mob is in first place. Uh, so you know, we 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 making moves. Will T got to get his game up. You know, he can't stuff, be George, good I know. Stuff, Will, yeah, good but Will stuff. Will T, you know, he slipped. You know what I'm saying? He was doing all that trash talking. I think Will T jinxed himself. <laughs> Real talk. I think he jinxed himself. He's overthinking. It. I know, bro. Overthinking. It. He's this, making my... different picks. I know. Here and there. I know. He got three picks on <laughs> three different platforms. He's like, dude, nobody cares. Yeah, that and look at now. Now we, look and now he's slipping because of it. I think he was just doing way too much. Um, subscribe to our podcast on Stitch. Your Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. And uh, again, check out uh, our home, um, our home, um, which is Sports Journey at SportsJourney.com. And also, I want to thank uh, Coach Lewis uh, Williams uh, Wilson again for being on the show. He's awesome, man. Uh, one of the icons in this coaching in this coaching game in PG County, period, in high school basketball, for real. If you don't know uh, the talent that he's produced, the, t- the where he's coached, um, and the the influence. And you heard him in the in the interview. The influences, um, the influence that he's had on so many young kids um, who have now moved on into playing basketball at the highest level, or even just becoming great young men and and you know older men now. Um, so, Coach Coach Wilson uh, is. We are very grateful for you, you know, being part of the urban sports scene, being on the show, and basically being family of the urban sports scene. Yes, sir. All right, thank you. All right, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate you all for listening. You've been listening to the urban sports scene for ages. You dig deuces, a mega leaders out, big homie. Deuce.